Totally Football Show. It's a totally finished season and we'll be talking fairly swiftly about midweek action. Is it a tearful farewell to Swansea and the fundamental sass of Mark Hughes, always claiming he didn't feel it was a booking for his players, now gets upset with the Marriott does the same. There's our terrific foreign section, including the latest fakir that Liverpool are signing. Excuse my French. There's terms of far-flung soccer and playoffs. Tense for sure as we see the team fortune shines on, all in this totally football show. And so it's great to be back, everyone. May I say, James Horncastle's here. Hello. Julien Laurent. Bonjour. And we have Tom Williams. Hello. Hello to you all. Great to be with you. After that, Sejon, our East Jules. How was it? It was it was great, but that's all I can tell you. I know that some some of the news dropped on on social media, but not but from you, no. No, I'm not. I know. I don't know, breathe a word of the thing that happened. No spoilers. None. None. Is your favourite though? Who won? Or is it? Can you I, at I, least I, say I, that it's a surprise? Jules, no. Also, okay. can I tell you? There's so much football to discuss. True. Not least Les Herbiers. Yes. We don't run out of time before we get to them, do we, Jules? No, 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 no. Great story. Absolutely. All right. So uh, many, many thanks to Caroline Barker and Ian McIntosh for for hosting in my absence. And I got back in time, just in time for that exciting midweek, that exciting midweek series <laughs> that of matches. of sarcasm. Not at all. There. Big things happened. Mm. Things were decided. Like Man City broke some records. Huddersfield stayed up. And West Brom, just after, literally hours after Darren Moore won Manager of the Month, that honours evil curse struck again and West Brom got relegated. Why, Tom? Because Saints beat Swansea. Was this an exciting game, Tom? No, not in the conventional sense, but exciting in the sense that there was obviously an awful lot riding on the game. There were two awful lots involved, if you like. Well, I mean, yeah, kind of. And and that's why they found themselves in that predicament. The the proverbial relegation six-pointer. And Southampton won it with a a late, beautifully scrappy goal. And, And Swansea, barring a miracle, are relegated. And... I think you can probably put them in a similar boat to Stoke in that they are a team that had a very strong identity a few years ago, lost their way, um, have gone through so many managers, Swansea, in the last few seasons, um, Mm. all of whom uh, have been very different to the managers who have gone before them. Um, And you looked at the team that took to the field against Southampton and they're quite an ordinary team. I mean, there's a lot of quality in that Southampton team, particularly, I think, in in the attacking areas. um, And that has come to the fore right at the last to, to keep their heads it's above about water time. <laughs> about time uh, and Swansea I just I, I don't see I don't see that quality um, and you know obviously they'll be they'll be disappointed to drop out of the Premier League a good friend of mine is, is a Swansea fan and he's quite philosophical about it he thinks that there, there needs to is, be some change he's not that seven year old who went oh well is he he's not that seven year old but his his reaction was similarly phlegmatic right. yeah. okay I wonder what uh, uh, I was just going to say, I wonder what Leroy Fur is saying. I expect he might be going, oh, well, because this, this is going to be the third time in four seasons he's been relegated from the Premier League. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Will he be going for, what, Nigel Quasi's record? Is that is that something? How many times did Nigel do it? I think, what was it, four or five times? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nathan Blake, apparently. Yeah. I wonder what Cardiff fans make of this as well. well that's yeah, a good question. No. Probably well chaffed, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. They come up, Swansea go down. But it's not guaranteed yet because you mentioned Stoke and that's who Swansea are playing this weekend. They need to beat them and have a 10-goal swing of goal difference, which given that Southampton are going to be playing Man City, Mm -hmm. it's not impossible. It's not likely. Yeah, given Swansea have scored twice in their last eight games. (laughs) Just saying, it's not impossible. (laughs) Not impossible. Three points... A drift there. Do you remember when um, when Swansea went to Manchester United and Jose Mourinho did that post-match press conference where he invited Carlos Carvajal to come in with oh. him mm. and said, this is the manager of the season, he's going to keep Swansea up, he's amazing, he's this and that. They haven't won a game since. Really? Yeah. And at that time, he had that fantastic you know, beginning of his tenure there mm. and Mourinho just Killed it, literally, oh, literally. He said, "This is it. This is you've, you've got him. It's, he's the manager of the season. He's going to keep them up. It's incredible. It's a miracle. Blah blah blah." They haven't won a game since. All right, and they're going down. Well, and of course, the news, Jules, reaching us just this morning. Although listeners, you were all aware of this, is that Cavaliello has now announced he's, he's not staying with Swansea. Yeah, um, I don't know if if the club wanted him to stay or if the club didn't want it. Either you would have thought that maybe he could have taken that team in the second division mm. where he was with Sheffield Wednesday, for example, before coming to Swansea and try to bring them back up. 
I, I always think it's a bit disappointing when managers do that. Uh, but I guess his mission was to keep them up. He didn't, so maybe he feels like it's right for him to um, to go. Literally just heard this news. So the, the idea of us speculating about who yeah. might take over is, is farcical. But what do you reckon, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> Chris Coleman, eh? As a Welshman. And uh, the Swansea native as well, I think. Chris yeah. Coleman, if I'm, if I'm not wrong. John Toshak, there you go. still around. From the Vetchfield days. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. John Hartson. How about John Hartson? Uh, these Craig, are all Welsh. I mean, Craig Bellamy. Craig Bellamy. Fight Ryan Giggs. Wants to become, yeah, uh, Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs, bigger fish to fry these days. <laughs> of course he has. Now, Man City, who will be taking on Saints on the final day, beat Brighton midweek 3-1. Uh, that means that they have beaten Chelsea's record for the most goals and they've beaten the record for the most wins and they're currently set to uh, set a new best ever for the biggest winning margin, biggest gap to second place. They're on 20 points ahead of Man United. Uh, Man United actually previously held the record with 18. That's a huge margin, 20 points. I mean, I mean, to put that in perspective, what's the, what's the margin in the one-team league that is Ligue 1 right now? <laughs> 17. PSG has 17 points clear of, of Lyon. But they've got a better goal difference than, than City. They've got plus 81 against plus 70. Plus 81. Yeah. Oh, they, they have, I think they're even better it's than even that. Bigger, yeah, yeah, they, yeah okay. they have plus 80, 81 in goal difference. And the record that Ibra's, Ibra's team set up in his last season was 83, so they're going to beat that. But, wow. City will get to 100 points. They're going to win at the weekend and get 100 points in a season. Are they going to win 10 0, do you think? Not 10, but they will get get to the 100 points. Nine might be enough. If Swansea beats Stoke 1 0, nine is enough. Why do you want Swansea to stay up so much? I'm just, uh, there's no preference involved. I'm just saying, the people saying it's over, like I did in the intro, it's not. (laughs) Stand down, fat lady. Time for us to talk about Huddersfield. John Lamb says it's got to be all about Huddersfield and those amazing two-away points against the current champions and the previous champions. Surely, Stein says, what's the biggest story of the Premier League this season? Is it Burnley's brilliant campaign or Huddersfield staying up? TCAS has a slightly different perspective on Huddersfield's latest away exploit, the one at Stamford Bridge this midweek. He says, uh, you'd think Conte was scared to finish in the top four in case they don't sack him. (laughs) I thought Conte up until this point was doing everything to re-endear himself. That's right. With yeah. Chelsea. And then he left Hazard and Giroud on the bench. Well, maybe he thought it was going to be enough against this. this you this, can't assume things like this. Surely you, you need to put your best team out on Wednesday and on Sunday if you want to stand a chance. Why would you rest players? I don't know why, George. Why would he have done that? I don't know. It made no sense whatsoever. And when I saw the, the, the lineups, I was like, you know, unless they're not fit, which they were fit, it made no sense to me whatsoever to... Resting them for the FA Cup? Maybe they picked up a knock mm. at the weekend? Yeah. Surely. Yeah. Maybe all right. he wants Surely. to lay all those Conte can't do it in cup competitions ghosts to rest. Perhaps so. But we ought to be talking about the incredible Terriers, eh, Tom? Um, lots of people saying things like, they've been a brilliant addition to the top flight. It's one of the greatest stories of this season. Just remind me why, because for me, Huddersfield are you know a plucky but ultimately quite dull side who turn up quite a lot with David Wagner talking reasonably about why they lost and didn't score many goals. Well, I, was, I was thinking this as I watched the game last yeah. night. I mean, Huddersfield have been in the Premier League all season. I yeah. still don't know any of their players. No. I mean, Jonathan Hogg could serve me a coffee in Costa. Uh, you know, Chris Lover could come round if I called a plumber. I would be none the wiser. Mr. I wouldn't, wouldn't recognise them. Yeah. Um, and I think that sort of that speaks to the secret of their success, if you like, that they are, you know, they've net spend this season about £45 million. pounds. Mm which is peanuts in the modern-day Premier League. Um, I think the most expensive signing was Steve Mounier, cost him about £11.5 million, but they are just a very Conte hard-working... Would argue that's more than Chelsea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> probably <Yeah>. would. <laughs> See, I know Tom Inns plays for them, but the reason I know that is that for ages he had the, re- the Premier League record for most shots without actually making a goal. <laughs> It's the, they're that kind of team. So, but I know I should feel excited because they're a plucky, which um, makes this achievement all the more. No, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> My favourite element of uh, of last night's game was the discovery that Huddersfield have got a chant about Florent Hadaganai, which I'd not heard before. Okay, to the tune of "Here Comes the Hot Stepper" by Eni Kamosi, and oh. it's quite a work. Could you yeah. do it for us? I mean, lyrically, it's not great, but so it, it basically goes na 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 Oh, okay, yeah, you go. And then, yeah, yeah. That's and not then strictly, I mean, it is Here Come the Hot Stepper, but of course, that's not where that particular melody originates from. Is it, listeners? Is it? Can you remember where na, 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 etc. comes from? We'll reveal all later on in the show. Anyway, now, uh, Huddersfield, Julien. No, no, no. I, well, yeah. I think it shows you 
how very, very, very average the season has been for all the teams below seventh. I think we can keep Burnley in there uh, for the achievement and everything, but everything done, maybe apart from Newcastle, who with the squad they have, but all the rest, he's been very average. And for Huddersfield to stay up in the Premier League, I think he shows you that maybe, apart from the top, top, top teams, mm -hmm. fair enough, the rest is actually not, you know, not that good. And I wouldn't go as far as calling it a farmers league, like a lot of people in this country call the French league. They call I give you that. Farmers league. Yeah, they call it league and farmers league, which is, you know, I, I can take Do it. It's the first time it's I've heard the go to no, Twitter get... insult if you yeah. say anything about league. And <laughs> yeah, Tom, Tom would know. <laughs> Tom would know as well. Mm. But this season, for the you know, for all those teams apart from top seven, right. was very similar to a farmers league. A farmers league. Yeah, yeah. And I think for Huddersfield, and you know, they deserve a lot of credit, and it's, it's great for them to stay up. Mm. But they were not very good, and you know, that bottom of the half of the table is not very good. And it means that all three promoted teams from last summer have avoided relegation this season. Only the third time this has happened in the Premier League. Might happen next season as well, given the uh, the, the the quality, the caliber of some of the clubs making their way up. Hey, speaking of which, after this, let's talk about who might be joining Cardiff and Wolves in the Premier League next season. Listeners, our partnership with Paddy Power helps to keep this podcast free. And speaking of free, when you join Paddy's Rewards Club, every time you place five bets of £10 or more on any sport in a single week, Paddy will give you a free £10 bet the following week. Sign up now at paddypower.com. T's and C's apply. Max £10 bonus per person per week. Specific odds required. Exclude shops and cashed out bets. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Mmm, the sweet sound of Land of a Thousand Dances by Cannibal and the Headhunters. Now residing in me. Where are they now, Father? Uh, yeah, funnily enough, that's that's where that comes from. Yeah, yeah, okay. I prefer that version. Do you like that? The version? original, it's yeah. It's nice. It's got, it's got a sass to it. Mm. What's the rap like in it, though? I'd want to hear the rap in that before I. Can All right, well, we'll spin it forward a little okay. bit later on. Right now, though, Tom Williams, I would like to talk to you about the playoffs. We have to be careful here because the Totally Football Network has prepared lovingly individual podcasts about each and every one of the playoff matches coming up this weekend of the Championship, League One and League Two. Wow. Damn. I might but, give that a listen. Yeah, for sure. Mm. You can find them, James, on the regular stream. Just go to the usual place and whichever game, or all of them if you like, mm. if you've got time, uh, you can uh, find out the thoughts of uh, Ian McIntosh, Caroline Barker and Matt Stanger. Wow. So that's very interesting. Of course, these, these, these playoffs will be kicking off on Friday with Derby County's clash with Fulham. Statistically, it's the team that finishes third that has the best chance of going up, finishes third in the actual table. So that would be Fulham at this point. Uh, of course, looking to emulate Huddersfield, who managed to limp through the, the, uh, the, the, the playoffs last time around. And uh, which of these four managers do you most want to have saying football-type things at you, uh, say, the match of the day next season? Do you want Slavisa Johanovic? currently the Fulham boss. Do you want his opponent at Derby, Gary Rowett? Do you want Steve Bruce P.I. or the policeman, Tony Pulis, who certainly, you know, that, that would be a narrative, wouldn't it, for you, if he comes up yeah. and his, his former sides go down? Tony, Tony Pulis, big time, I think. It's yeah. the sound it's of the time. police. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's time. Everyone's declaring Pulis ball finished, Stoke and West Brom go down, and Tony Damn. Pulis is back with, with Borough, with Pulis ball mark two. Or Mark Seven, or whatever yeah. Mark we're on now. Big tone, come on, do it. All right. What do you think, Jules? He's a new face, Gary Rowett. I go every day. Really? He's new, yeah, he's young. I like him. You know, it's, it would be great. You can have too much of new faces, I think. I like a little bit of an old favourite like Tony Pulis. Uh, I thought you were about to say Brucey. Oh, yeah, fair. Yeah. You know. Anyway, on the subject of playoffs and that, that all gets underway, of course, Derby County against Fulham. That's Friday evening. Make sure then you hurry up and listen to the, the preview podcast before they are all, um, you know, out of their sell-by date. And, of course, we'll round up everything that happens in Monday's big, big Totally Football show. But one thing we can say right now is to be or not to be, Dulwich Hamlet, you are in... The National League South for the first time in your 111-year history. I say this, but you, you know this, of course, because you, you're already celebrating it, celebrating it like this. Yeah! 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 
heartwarming stuff, eh, Jules? Yeah. It, it, only months after, of course, they were threatened with extinction and kicked out of their ground. Crazy season for them. Well done. Yeah, well done to them. Anyway, National League South, after beating Hendon 4-3 on penalties in the Isthmian League playoff final on that uh, scorchingly hot bank holiday Monday afternoon. Mm. Right. Now, speaking of little teams enjoying extraordinary seasons, let's move on to France, Jules. Yeah. Because Tom was trying to tell us about Les Herbiers last time. <laughs> But we got, yeah. We, I think we can get more from you with all due respect, Tom. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> they they were in the Coupe de France final. Yeah. This Tuesday night, mm. taking on a team whose budget, whose budget is two hundred and seventy-five times bigger than theirs, and it is of course Paris Saint Germain. How yeah. did that go? It went well for them. I mean, they lost, but they knew <laughs> Not they would. So well. Then. No, but they knew they would. Even right. the manager, Stefan Masala, the day before the game in his press conference, said, "We we cannot win. You know, let's be honest. We can. It's impossible for us to win." He said, "We're just going to try to resist as long as we, you know, as long as we can." He said, "A few seconds, a few minutes." How long okay. did they resist? Not long. Really? 26 no, minutes. Yeah, before Cavani. Okay, well, that's yeah, 26 minutes dreamy of glory. PSG but, had already hit the post three times, yeah. and then Giovanni Lo Celso put them ahead. Oh, all right then. And then Cavani scored the second, late, quite late in the second half to make it 2-0. And right. in a way, it's good for Les Herbiers that he didn't get smashed. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, because of, you know, the adventure that... There's, they've won as many... They've, they've won as many games in the league than they have in the cup this right. season. To tell you how domestically in the league they play in the third division in France and they're not safe yet. There's one more game to go on Friday. They they haven't been great. But the cup they've been amazing. And and it's the fifth team that we've had that plays in the third division or lower to mm. reach the cup final in France. We've got a long history of those minos making it to to almost the end. Which either suggests that the magic of the cup is even stronger in France than it is here, or the big clubs are really not asked about it. No, no, I think the the magic of the cup is is alive, and you see those teams reaching the final. They've never lost. Les Herbiers was one who lost by two-goal margin, but before Mm. that it was penalties or 1-0, 2-1. And I think my my theory is that uh, French French academies Mm -hmm. from, from top club, from, you know, Ligue 1 clubs, are so strong and so good that they release players, obviously, like every, everyone else does. But then those, those players bounce, bounce back in lower league teams and make, because they, were all, they almost made the cut for, for, the, you know, for the, the academies where they were in. Yep. Uh, and then they improve those smaller teams. And the cup is where they can showcase the talent and, and the story, really. Nice. And the Les Abbey captain, for example, um, Sebastian Flochon is Samuel Umtiti's best friend. They went to school together. They grew up together in Lyon and they played for Lyon Academy together. And Umtiti mm. was, you know, made it. And Flochon was just close to making it. But in the end, they didn't keep him. And he had to sort of bounce back like that in, in the third division. He so, also got to lift the cup as well, didn't yes, he? Yes, with Thiago Silva, yeah, which was a good touch. It was done <laughs> before. It had been done before yeah. when Calais in 2000, who were in the fourth division at the time, mm. reached the final and lost to Nantes. Michael Landreau, the, the non captain, invited. Uh, the Cali captain to to lift it. I guess it's nice, but yeah. you must looked, you must feel gutted. Reluctant. Yeah, he was a bit gutted. Yeah. Yeah. Center stage, but a nice touch. I I went down to um to Clairefontaine at the weekend. That's where Les Herbiers had their their pre Coupe de France final training camp, and it was lovely because they all had eyes like saucers. They could not believe they were there. You know, they were, and they were staying in in the rooms where the the French players, you know, where the, the national the, team, the national right. team stay. Um, and there was there was a lovely quote from um uh, Pierre Germain who is. Uh, Les Herbiers, the, the veteran midfielder, um, and he was staying in Zidane's room, and he was asked in the press conference, "So oh, you know, what was it like walking into Zidane's is room?" Is it a for themed the room? Time? Is it like one of those hotels where they theme yeah, the room? But, yeah, I'm so not sure they've gone quite not that as bad, full on, yeah. but it is it is like the Zidane room. And he oh. said, "I went in and I breathed in because I was breathing the same air as Zidane." Right. I mean, if it was the same air as Zidane, you are, just twenty years later, yeah. the number of molecules in each breath, yeah. you are likely to be breathing not only Zidane's airs but also Julius Caesar's. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would have been cruel to point Incredible. that out at that moment, I think. But a, a valid a valid point. So what I'm guessing is that nobody in France uh, frets every year about where the magic of the cup, la magique de la coupe, is going to. No, I mean, and every year is the same. Right. It's... it's um, it's very, very common to have a team from the third or fourth division in the quarterfinals, for Do example, people every watch, year. So what would the TV yeah, ratings have been? 6.3 million really? on Tuesday night, for a Tuesday night, and a pick at 7.3, I think, plus the 80,000 people who were there. Les Herbiers brought more fans than there's actually a habitant in the city. So I thought you were about to say PSG. <laughs> no, but <laughs> PSG. Uh-huh. 
There's 16,000 people, apparently. In, yeah, uh, their average attendance is one. Well, it's fourteen hundred. Yes, I think you read my piece on uh, on ESPN. It's a brilliant piece. <laughs> really, really, no, good. but it's a great story. I, I really hope they stay up. Um, by the way, in that third division, mm. there was like for a long time three points between fifth place and seventeenth. Yeah. Like literally that's everybody a, was in the relegation battle. That's extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. It's been an incredible season in the third division. But I hope they stay up. They stay up and they, they have a good chance to do it. They've got their last game tomorrow, oh. Friday. They need a point to be sure of staying up. Oh wow! And the eleventh. And the eleventh. Okay. Do you want to hear an amazing fact about the Coupe de France? Go for it, Jimbo. Okay. So they because they have more than eight thousand teams entering each year, mm. including hundreds from the French overseas territories. Oh yeah. It actually gets underway 13 months before the final. So next season's Coupe de France is already underway. Mm. That's and messed you know, up. You know, the, 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 the great thing about the Coupe de France right. is that if you reach a certain round, yes. you keep the shirt that, that you're given on purpose. You don't play with your own shirt. Mm-hmm. And you can see that all the shirts are different from the, the, norm, the, the normal league shirt that every team has. But you get to keep them. So when you when we were kids, when you start playing, you know, uh, first team football. Did you when, play in the Coupe de France? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you kept a. I kept one shirt. I've got one shirt at home of when I was seventeen, maybe. Where we you get to, I think if you get to round three, maybe something like that, you you get to keep the shirt, and then you get a new one every every round you progress to. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So everybody just wanted um, to go as far as possible to keep the shirt mostly. Jules, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow, fantastic. Um also in French football news this week, a lot of a lot of suggestions that Nabil Fakir is mm. going to be leaving Lyon for Liverpool, alliteratively enough. For somewhere. Oh, yeah, somewhere. For somewhere. Because they somewhere. had to I've I've read Liverpool. Yeah, a lot of but, people on Sunday night in yeah. France, uh, Canal Plus, RMC, a lot of people said um Liverpool. I don't think it's it's done. I think they've they've had chat with his agent uh, Jean-Pierre Bernès, uh, but so did other clubs in in England as well and, and in Spain too. Uh, Lyon are still hoping for him to stay if they qualify directly for the Champions League. So if they finish second, mm-hmm. which is is very possible, uh, but I think he, he he's made his mind up that he wants to leave, uh, and and I think he likes Spain because I think it suits him. But the Premier League is also a league that really interests him. The, okay. the only problem I have with Liverpool is that. He, he doesn't fit the system. He doesn't fit the. Why is that? He, and we see we see we see it now. Uh, his best position is that is is almost like a is a number ten or a second striker, which Liverpool don't don't have. They play four three three with two wingers, and there's no. You can play Fekir wide, but I think you sort of waste a bit of his talents. Right. And you can try to play him in in a three midfield, but again he. You know he doesn't defend; he doesn't really trail back. So, unless you change to a sort of four-two-three-one formation and you play him behind the striker, but then you might that might disturb your momentum and your dynamic. Mm. Um, I just don't really see where he fits in this Liverpool current team. But that okay, doesn't mean he, that it would be a great addition. He's a wonderful player. Well, I remember that you know when we used to have Sunday nights together. You always you, the feeling was that while Lacazette would get all the headlines, it was actually Nabil Fakir who was the real talent of that Lyon side. Oh yeah, and this year before his injury that sort of slowed him down a bit in the second half of the season, his first half of the season was just incredible. Right. And you know in terms of goals and assists and in terms of you know leadership as well, he's not the most vocal, but he took this team and even when they were struggling he was delivering he was carrying that team and I think he shows a lot of character he had a really bad injury um, two seasons ago now which was really I think hard to come back from and you know and, he, and he's done it and he's probably stronger than ever and it's the right time for him to go let's see if he goes to the World Cup that's the, the other big question mark he has uh, and I'm not sure Deschamps is the biggest fan I don't think Deschamps sees him as a if you put him on the bench which that's where it would be can he have an impact coming on? He's not that kind of player, so he might miss out, which is probably better for the for the club that he joins next, to be fair. Mm, he will have a good summer resting. Okay. Wonderful player. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful player. I, I think one of the most exciting young attacking players to have emerged in Europe in the last ten years. Can you see him in the Liverpool lineup or where do you think he's going? No, Tom? I agree with, I agree with what Jules was saying. I mean his the problem that he's had is that he's played all his best football for Lyon in a central position. His first season he was playing behind Lacazette and he was sort of supplying him with the bullets. They had a great partnership. Then he gets injured basically misses the entire season that followed that season after that he got stuck out on the wing didn't like it and then last summer he came back 
He was fit. He was leaner than he's ever been before. He had the captain's armband, and they basically built the team around him. Um, and he's been sensational. And I, as Jules was saying, I don't see how he fits into that Liverpool team the way they play at the moment. He's not really a counter-attacking footballer, but a fantastic player. I okay. just wonder whether they look at him and think, you know, he can step into Coutinho's shoes. Yeah. Insofar as. To be honest, you looked at Coutinho and you often thought, where does he fit in? How do you get them all to play in the same team together? But that attack needs alternatives. Mm. Um, and you know, I'm not talking yeah, yeah. about Fekir being a bench player, but you know, someone who can start one every, you know, one every two games or something like that. And, and also, I think Lyon are looking for 60, 65 million euros, which I think in this current market, it's a very, very good deal for whoever going to come for him. How much is Griezmann going to go for, do you think? Well, the release clause at the moment is 200 million euros. It will go down to 100 million from July the 1st. So I think 100 million is a bargain. 200 million for Griezmann at his age is still good, I think. And the problem is he wants his future to be sorted before the World Cup. So, right. before, so they have to pay the extra. That's the thing. But who would want, for the sake of two weeks, who would want to pay another 100 million euros? That's well, the, the thing. The club most commonly linked with him is Barcelona. Is that is that what you think is going to happen? Um, I think he would go there, yeah. Okay. And what a forward line that would be. I caramba. In L'Equipe this morning, they had a very, very ambitious 4-3-3 with literally Busquets and then Coutinho, Griezmann, Dembele, <laughs> Messi, Suarez. And it's like, and okay, that might be just for the smaller teams, you know, well, everything. In Spain, that'll work. Yeah, maybe. But it's still, when you just think, when you go on the pitch, you know, and you're in Sunol and you come out and you see Suarez, Messi, Griezmann, Dembele, Coutinho, and you just think, right, okay, it's going to be a long, long 90 minutes. Yeah. Interesting. Now, Leon currently second then, but it's ever so tight. You've got two rounds still to go in Ligue 1, and only two points separating Leon in second, Monaco in third, and Marseille in fourth. Marseille, next week, will be yeah. in the Europa League final against Atletico Madrid. We'll talk about that next week, but since you're here, I think you were down in Marseille, were you this, this week? Tuesday, yeah. On Tuesday. Tuesday. Media day. It uh-huh. looked like they, they were not really sure what was happening. You know, it looked like they were so obviously happy to be there, but it looked a bit... Unreal for them. Um, it's their fifth European Cup final, and they obviously won the Champions League in 1993, and then they lost the others. Um, but yeah, it was it, you know it was it was great. I still think they're uh, the underdogs massively, and the Atletico are huge favorite. But they would be at home. They play at Lyon. They would be. If it would feel like home, pretty much. And you know what? They've been surprising all season to be able to balance their domestic form that has been incredible with the, the, the European form as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if somehow... The only thing is, they need to be perfect. They need a perfect match. Mm-hmm. And Atletico only need an average performance and still still win it. So it's a, it's a hell of a Marseille but, were the most exciting team, though, in the, the, the recent rounds of the... Of the uh, of the competition for me, no? Yeah, oh, the Leipzig, the quarterfinal yeah. second leg against RB Leipzig was just something else. It was incredible in that stadium. And Payet, Tovin, Payet is on wonderful form. And they have a chance, but you still you, you still put money on Atletico to No, to no, win. I think Marseille all the yeah, way. And that, that way, Ligue 1 has four teams potentially in the Champions League next year. Have well, that, farmers yes. market haters. <laughs> All right. Marseille's fans are also extremely excited about going to Lyon for the final. Oof. Regardless of the result, they're already chanting, Jean-Michel Olas, Lyon president, we're coming to your house, we're going to smash it up. Um, yes. So we're not win or lose. I mean, nobody that. wants that, nobody but wants there, that. Is, there is great excitement there. Yeah. Uh, they might also be excited about the great culinary delights that are waiting them mm. there in Lyon. Mm. I made a mistake in my first trip to Lyon by ordering Andriette sausage, oh. which oh. I'd never had before. And they're not going to have oh, again? Oh, no, no, no. no. Well, What's in it? It's... It's basically, it's it's sort of, um, it's like tripe, isn't it? Yeah, basically, tripe, it is, yeah. tastes like a drain. Yeah. <laughs> if um, <laughs> if you were heading to Leon, listener, and you wanted a culinary tip, what what should you order instead of the andouillette? Oh, um, <laughs> pressed duck. To, is that the le canard? Is that a Leon thing? No. Of course, the potatoes, famously. I mean, the the charcuterie. Oh yeah. From Leon is very good. The, the cold meat selection. Yes. Yeah. Listeners, starting up the Totally Football show was a hairy business. Fortunately, Cornerstone have been with us every step of the way. Why? Because they're in the business of making hairy things smooth, like your face. Cornerstone's award-winning blades will give you the smoothest shave possible, and their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see the range for yourself, get £10 off your first order and have it delivered right to your door and you'll find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. 
just to mention, though, that in Golazzo this week, we uh, we don't get to talk about the Coppa Italia final in which Juve beat Milan 4-0. <laughs> very, very convincing performance. We, we might touch on that next week, but Juve, of course, are going to follow that up with a massive game this weekend, James, against Roma, which could, it's not likely, but it is possible, could just reopen the title race. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, again, there needs to be a very big swing in mm. goal difference swing. for this to happen. Uh, 16 goal swing, okay. uh, Jimbo. All right. Um, both, 16? Yes. Both, That's unlikely. Both of these teams need a point. Uh, Roma to qualify for the Champions League. Right. Juventus to, you know, wrap up the title. Okay, then. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up this section just by mentioning that this week's Colazzo is all about the number one striker. <laughs> Tatanka. 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 Dario Hudner. Why, is it, why, why was he so particular? Listen to Galazzo and discover for yourself why he was a football player unlike any other, apart from most of the ones in the English football divisions between 1930 and 1960. <laughs> um, anyway, moving along. Tom, how's your book doing? Uh, doing all right. I think it's now on sale. It's in the shops. It's sort of, you know... Mm-hmm. Punching its weight in, in the various off the Amazon charts. Yeah, um, I don't know. I've not asked for any sales figures. Oh, I've been a little bit, a bit too nervous to do ah. that. But I mean, I, you know, people have been tweeting me from around the world to say, "Oh, I've got my copy." Brilliant. Getting stuck into it, which is nice. That is nice, isn't it? it for listeners new to this, Tom's book is "Do You Speak Football?" It's a, it's a rhetorical question, isn't it, Tom? Well, is it? Is it? Is it? Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> is it? I mean, anyway, in the book, you basically explore some of the delights that this most global of games has wrought upon, you know, the various regional argots, the the lexicons of football yes, worldwide. It, it I is guess. a glossary of football language from around the world, Brilliant. and it, it does what it says on the tin, or it at least tries to. Excellent. So, but um, Petit Point is in there, for example. I Petit guess. Point is in there, yes. Petit Point, I know that one. Yeah. That's yeah. the little bridge. Yes. And it means when you nutmeg someone. Exactly. What? A lot of Jimbo. twenty-nine different terms for nutmeg are in the book. Ooh, now, really? Each, each time you're mm-hmm. in, you give us some little treats. So, what's the most exciting one of the nutmegs then? In Papua New Guinea. Oh yeah. They call it uh, a wonkina, and a wonkina is a Papua New Guinea coin with a little hole in the middle. There you like go. Like a polo mint. That's nice. That's one. That's nice. Um, Turkey. What do they have in Turkey in terms of intriguing terminology? Turkey, I'm going to read you some Turkish terms. Okay. And you're going to guess what they mean. Ah, a quiz. Um, love a what's quiz. a delight? We love a quiz. <laughs> in, in my best oh, Turkish it, pronunciation. Ah, yeah. That's very good. Yeah. Uh, okay, bal yapmayan ari, which is a bee without honey. A bee without honey is, a, is a, I'm going to say that's a striker who hasn't scored in bleeding ages. Jules, what do you think? Let's move um, it along here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get it right. Yeah, a player looking for a new contract. Ooh, um, is it? Sorry, I can't. it's it's a player who who buzzes around the pitch to no discernible effect. Oh, right. So a hardworking but ineffective player. Okay. okay, that's a great one. That um, bee without honey. Yeah. What about uh, a haji? Well, it, might it be a Romanian uh, playmaker? Is it? No, is it it's a, a cross come shot. Yeah, a cross come shot. <laughs> no, a lot. Uh, a lot. Haji is the name that you give. To uh, a Muslim pilgrim who's completed yeah, wise, the yeah. pilgrimage yeah. to Mecca, and that is a name that you give to a Turkish football fan who goes to all of his teams away games. Ah, because like he's that like diehard. Yeah. Well, it's um, Turkish. Yeah. I've got one more. This is a good one. Uh, it's quite a specific one, actually. Tim Saha Yatmak, which means doing a crocodile. Doing a crocodile. Mm. I mean, so I don't know. You're a Bursa Sport fan. It, there is a Bursa Sport connection. Basically, this is about the 2009-10 Turkish Super League Championship. Went down to the final day of the season. Um, Fenerbahce were playing at home to Trubs on Spore. Uh, they needed to match Bursa Spore's result to mm. claim the title. Fenerbahce draw against Trubs on Spore. An announcement is made over the Tannoy at the Fenerbahce Stadium that Bursa Spore uh, have only drawn against Besiktas. So Fenerbahce have won the league. Fenerbahce fans flood onto the pitch in delight, and some of them decided to mockingly mimic the famous crocodile walk goal celebration of Bursa Spore's players. When you get on your hands and knees, you grab onto the ankle of the person in front of you and you walk along like a little human crocodile. Brilliant. Was this anything... Did they have crocodiles in the moat or something to keep people off the... That wasn't them, was it? The anyway, twist. so they, they did this, but did then... This, but then, but then, uh, it turns out that the guy who'd announced the Bursaspor result, they got it wrong. And Bursaspor <laughs> hadn't drawn. They'd won. They'd won the league. And Fenerbahce's fans were around on the pitch 
completely, you know, ripping the piss out of him. So as a result, doing a crocodile entered the lexicon um, as shorthand for someone getting ahead of themselves. Right. Wow. That's, nice. that's brilliant. Lovely you don't story. need to get to the referee. You need to get to the match announcer. That's yeah. The thing, yeah. Tom, that's so good. I want another one. Is there a place where I could find more Turkish football terminology? Yes, there is. Do you speak football? Ah, yes. A glossary of football <laughs> words and phrases from around the world Brilliant. by Tom Williams in the shops now <laughs> and on Amazon, etc. All right. Well, hopefully, are you going to be joining us during our World Cup coverage? Oops. I certainly hope so. Yeah. Well, we can maybe, you know, with, with the relevant nations that we're addressing each day, each and every day uh, here at the Totally Football Show, we can, we, can, we can furnish listeners with a little bit more of the, you know, the, 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 the linguistic context behind... These sides, right. Well, that was an unexpectedly entertaining, broad-ranging chat about things abroad. Let's now turn our thoughts after this back to the Premier League. Listeners, if you enjoy a little bit of a quiz, then you're no doubt all over every Friday our Totally Football Friday lunchtime quiz, which offers a selection of prizes, but most importantly, some of the best questions that you can use and reuse with your friends afterwards. But... Jules, the sadness is that because the season's coming to an end, so is our quiz. We've only got two more of them to go. One of them is this Friday, so you'd be crazy to miss out on it. 12.30, Friday lunchtime. Questions devised by our top pals at Opta. Hey, have a look at some of these prizes this week. You've got a a 2016-17 Trois uh, home shirt from classicfootballshirts.co.uk. You familiar with the Trois? strip? I I believe it's a a blue and white pinstripe, is it not? The one they wore when... uh PSG beat them 9 nil to win the title that season. Okay. At home as well. Special. Yeah. Rafa's given us a signed copy of his Bring the Noise book, all about Jurgen Klopp. Uh, oh, Kieran Dyer, we've got a. a uh, that's not signed. So that increases the value, I think, his autobiography. And no less than 20 packets of FIFA 18 World Cup stickers from Panini. I say wow. 20, might not be 20, because Jules and I, we're both collecting, <laughs> aren't we, Jules? <laughs> yes, we are, yeah. We are. Oh, and sorry, I, I, it's no fewer. No fewer. No fewer than... Yeah, come yeah. on. Sorry about that. Are you competing? How are you both getting on? Well, you, Jules, you you're notes? way ahead, aren't you, Jules? How many stickers do you need? 20. 20 My boys need 20. Are you doing it? No. I'm a lot. I haven't done any. Have you been to PLP? Uh, you know, yeah. I've swapped, I swapped a few at I, PLP. I, yeah, I imagine you did. I did. I was in on Tuesday, but yeah. I didn't bring any in. Oh, you have to. I, I'll go yeah, in today yeah, yeah. and do that then. Uh, on our Facebook page, we're giving away three pairs of tickets to the Wembley Stadium screening of the new Bobby Robson documentary, Bobby Robson More Than a Manager. It's going to be happening on the 23rd of May, 7.15pm. That's a week before it officially hits cinemas. If you want to get one of those three pairs of tickets, head to facebook.com slash Show to find out more. Now, Premier League is having its final weekend this weekend. Oh, yeah? Everything still to play for? Not so much. No? <laughs> Not so much, okay. barring a 10-0 Swansea win over Stoke uh-huh. or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, it looks like Swansea are going to be going down, but we, we just don't know because Man City might, you know, they might absolutely smash Saints. We don't know. Uh, Yaya Toure, of course, got his last he what, did, didn't start he? at the Etihad. Against Brighton. In midweek. Mm. I did like his comments. What did he say? Well, he was obviously being asked about what transformational player he was for City and, uh, you know, how he was one of the first players to really buy into this new club, um, as it was under Gary Cook. And he said uh, about star players, they'd go to United, great. City, no. I've been at successful clubs, Olympiacos, Monaco, Barcelona. When you go to the museums there, you can see all the older players. I asked if City had such a place. I went and looked, but I didn't know any of them. There you go. <laughs> Just a bit, you know? Yeah. There'll yeah. be one of there'll be one of Yaya though. Yeah, they certainly will. And Kolotore made a surprise appearance as well. He's his brother, obviously. Mm-hmm. Which he looked like Yaya didn't know, which is always nice. That's nice. Yeah. Nice surprise. Anyway, so Saints are gonna be hosting City at the weekend. Swansea take on Stoke and that will resolve uh, which team uh, of those two goes down. Mm. Uh the business with Chelsea and Liverpool, who are vying for a top four spot, will see Liverpool hosting Brighton. Liverpool two points ahead of Chelsea. Brighton, who got beaten midweek, but previously beat Man United, of course, in that very exciting match uh, last weekend. And Liverpool not only have the Champions League to worry about, but they're, they're kind of running on empty, are they not, a bit? Yeah, but uh, I think one of the photos that surfaced on social media in midweek was uh, an old picture of... Jurgen Klopp and David Wagner, his uh, best man, hugging. Ah, so yeah. Wagner did him a bit of a favour 
um, in midweek with that uh, points at Stamford Bridge. That's true. So. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Uh, Chelsea, of course, are going to be at Newcastle, who they've beaten 3-1 and 3-0 this season at the bridge. Their last visit to St James's finished 2-2. It's a game that's potentially as important as the final game of 2003, Tom. Oh, the Jesper Gronkiai game. Yes, mm. of course. And why was that important? Because that was the goal that convinced Roman Abramovich to buy Chelsea because it qualified them for the Champions League the following season. It's the £1 billion goal. The £1 billion goal, yes. But then Chelsea need to win and hope Liverpool lose at home to Brighton uh, because Liverpool have got a vastly superior goal difference, uh, which I suspect is probably unlikely, but... Who knows? Also, although, on, although Leonardo Ujoa is back on the scoring, scoring, you know, back in the goals, boots on. Back shooting in the goal. boots back on with his head. Yeah, he's better with his head and with his feet. Shooting to be head, fair. shooting head, shooting head. Also, Mo Salah needs one more goal to set a new scoring record for a 38-game Premier League season. Wow. He's still on 31. Harry Kane is now on 28, so he's within a hat trick of a share of the Golden Boot. Damn. Do you know? Perhaps the most impressive stat about Salah is that he is the only player in the Premier League to outscore Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang since Aubameyang joined Arsenal, Tom. And Aubameyang, he said, segueing neatly along, will probably be on field for the Gunners this weekend when they head to the John Smith Stadium. Jules, when they'll be attempting to do what? To get their first point away from home in 2018. They're the only team in... All of professional teams in, in England, so League Two, League One, Championship, and, and all Premier four League. top divisions. There's nobody. Least, someone has at least a point, and that could be Paul Vale, that could be Chesterfield, that could be Barnett. It could be one of them, but not Arsenal. Arsenal, since the start of this calendar year. It's crazy. And obviously, at Leicester in midweek, uh, the very early red card from the, the young Greek defender. Mm. Uh, Konstantinos Mavropanos, who's done really well since coming into the team, but made a that's uh, like a schoolboy error, yeah. to be fair. They will learn from, hopefully. It cost them badly. And after that, I think they, they, they switched off since that Berlin game anyway. So. Huddersfield are up. Surely, surely Wenger's got to exit with... Uh, it would be ignominious, Chap- were they? Yeah, to? but there's the narrative with Herbert Chapman as well. And this being, obviously, Wenger's last ever Arsenal game as a, as, as a manager. Um, also, so, you mentioned all the promoted sides staying up for mm. only the third time. All three have beaten Manchester United. Two of them have beaten Arsenal, and it can become three at the weekend if Huddersfield do the Gunners. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Much more interesting than the line that I had here, which is that he actually leaves Arsenal in a worse state statistically than when he took over. Oh, really? When he arrived, they had just finished fifth in the league and had qualified for the UEFA Cup. He leaves them sixth, and in the EL qualifiers. Oh, thanks a Yahoo, <laughs> Mr. Wenger. Now, Tom, you're right in saying that there are other games this weekend, some of which, no, the other ones actually don't have anything riding on them, I don't think. That doesn't mean that they won't be fun. No. For example, Spurs-Leicester, that could be interesting because it seems there's almost a simmering, a simmering rivalry going on between those, those clubs. Between Spurs, Spurs and Leicester. And Leicester. Yeah. What's, what's the rivalry? Well, it's From all the about... Ti- the title season, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Tottenham Hotspur, we're waiting for you. There you sang go. the Leicester fans as they closed in on the title. Mm. Really? Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah, um, so that's nice, and it could be it could be Claude Puel's last game with the uh, with with the Foxes. Claude what happened there, Jules? You called it the Piranha League in here. Wow. Hey, well, 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 well. Where, where, who calls it the Piranha? Claude league? Puel, and what did he call the Premier League the Piranha League? Because he says that did they... he mispronounce Farmer? No, 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 no. He thinks he thinks that um, you know, depending on how well you could do, yeah. It's, very often not enough anyway and thus the league eats those managers like Piranha could eat your fit in the water for yeah, example although that's that, I believe a, a, you know an urban legend they're, they're not by no means as voracious as, as, as the stereotype suggests would you jump no, into a pool of piranhas are you encouraging I listeners g- James to go and just dangle if you think about it the guy finished 8th ra- yes. we've, we've said it many times on yeah. the show he finished 8th gets sacked he's mm-hmm. going to finish ninth. he's going to get sacked mm-hmm. You do wonder uh, with, with clubs who can't can hardly go higher than eighth and nine. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, there was nowhere Leicester could do much better than the ninth this season, and Southampton last season, same same thing again. So the guy think, okay, I've taken this team surely as high as anyone, you know, could have, and yet I'm still getting sacked. So okay, the the players are not really happy. They think his training sessions are boring. Whatever. Mm-hmm. 
So I think it's players... all the stuff that got Ranieri binned, and, and he managed to win them a title. Yeah, and that. you know the power, you know players' power is clearly. I'm just not saying that, that, that it's not the players who run Leicester City Football Club, but clearly they don't. They're not really keen on on Puel, so he might go again. And and I think it would be a mistake. I, I, you know, he took he took over the club where they were not in a good situation at all. Yeah. And they're going to finish ninth, okay? There's been ups and downs, and especially since they were safe, it looked like the players didn't really care that much. But I just think it's crazy to sack your manager when you're eight, to sack your manager when you finish ninth in the Premier League. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too biased because he's French and I like the guy, but I don't know. I think the problem with Puel is that he's just chronically unsexy and right. fans just do not warm to him, even though he's a good coach and he organises his teams well. And, you know, he, I think he had a very respectable season at Southampton, took them to a cup final. He had a very positive impact at Leicester initially. OK, mm. results have trailed away, but as Jules said, they're ninth, could even finish eighth. But he's just a very uninspiring figure, comes across as very uncharismatic. Um, I don't know him, so I can't right. comment on whether that's, that's true or not. And I, I think that counts against him almost as much as anything. Right. It, it's been thin gruel from Puel, but it, well, far it, it would be cruel. At least we yes. still have, you know, we always have the dildo story that we can, you know, tell about Claude Puel and cheer people up. So he's yeah, a bit sexy. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, uh, the other games coming up this weekend include Burnley against Bournemouth. We never mentioned Deshaun Deitch's um, Stone Roses interview. I don't know if this is the time to do so. Okay. He was talking to ESPN. He says, I remember the first time I heard the Roses and that sort of Manchester vibe. Mm. Just try and picture this coming out of Sean Dyche's <laughs> mouth. Uh, building from that, you're getting onto the rave scene as well. That was a big era for me. More recently, it's a lot of Kasabian and stuff like that. Lately, I've seen Green Day. I thought they were amazing in concert. I saw Metallica. He says he's also been getting involved in the modern rap scene. Oh, yeah? Having seen Jay-Z and uh, Kanye. Right, oh, Kanye. Yeah. So there you go, Sean Dyche. Credentials. He Grand actually, actually he starts earlier than Stone Roses and Manchester. Oh yeah. He goes all the way from his first sort of popular music awakening. What was that? Whatever then? it was, sort of like early eighties. I think he talks about kind of new romantics, that sort of thing. Brilliant. So yeah, like goes what deep. classics, nouveau stuff like that. I can't remember the exact acts that he cited off the top of my head. That's a shame. Mm. What was the first record you ever bought, Tom? The first album or the first single? Which is more embarrassing? <laughs> this actually came up in conversation with some friends recently. I'm not sure I can even admit to the single. Yeah, Come on, on, Tom. Go on, you have to now. I can't. You uh, can. It's that bad. It is that bad. It was the debut single as a solo artist of the former Take That singer, Mark Owen. Oh, oh Clementine. Was no, it that one. No. That was his second single. It was Child. <laughs> oh. Child. Sort of falsetto yeah, that is number. Quite okay. That's quite embarrassing. What about you, Jules? Michael Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which one? Bad. Ah. Uh. Right, James. Uh, the first album, I think, it was, a, it was a Bon Jovi album. Right, yeah, Slippery When Wet, something uh, like that. Yeah, or yeah. was it That'd These the Days? Was that the one after that? I don't know. Yeah, um, but My what first was the first single was... then? First single. Um, that's a good question, Jim. I actually can't remember <laughs> what my first <laughs> single was. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> there's a story here. My first album was Brian Adams. Oh yeah. So far, so good. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Very nice. Anyway, what about you, Jimbo? Tell you who, sorry? What's yours first? No, I was just going to say who has got a good record is Sean Dyche, of course, with, <laughs> with, with Burnley. <laughs> Brilliantly done. Uh, they're, they're playing Bournemouth, so that's nice. Palace are taking on West Brom in the Roy Hodgson derby, of course. Mm. Uh, Man United, we'll have to see if if Jose Mourinho can, can inspire some kind of reaction out of his players who he says were completely not up for it last weekend against Brighton but that then that was all somehow the journalist's fault you remember the, the press conference after he said you should all be very disappointed in yourselves he told the journalists after yeah. his team had lost one of the Brighton and he, anyway. he could see it coming as well he yeah. knew it was going to happen so I wonder what's going to happen this weekend they host Watford he knows he knows he what's going to happen <laughs> you, you actually spoke to a Watford player yesterday for our Golazzo show next week didn't you yeah I did Nathaniel Shalaba and, and that's so we can learn a little bit more about what Saddy ball entails for the players mm. if, if indeed that is going to be coming to the Premier League sometime soon the game that I haven't as yet mentioned from this weekend is West Ham's clash with Everton Tereo, probably Putaki asks, should the owners of West Ham and Everton troll their fans by arranging a Moyes Big Sam job swap? <laughs> Any other managerial <laughs> trades along the same lines? I don't know, Tereo, that's pretty excellent already. Um, oh, the Everton fans might not mind too much, but uh, the West Ham fans, I think, would take a very dim view of such, a, such an enterprise. 
Uh, are those two managers, is this their farewells to the respective clubs? Uh, Moyes, I think, is staying on, though. Yeah, uh... Moyes will stay. Um, yeah. Big Sam says that he's staying. I'm not sure that he is, but... Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it could it could be his last game, but I, th- I think David Moyes has done enough to, to stick around. I think, Absolutely. I think given the resources he's had to work with, the injuries he's had to he's had to um, the club he's had face to work up with, with, the conditions <laughs> in which he's had to work, yeah. and everything else, he's, you know, he's done a decent job. Well, excellent. That wraps it up for the weekend, then. Uh, having spoken about all the football, let's get the odds on it all from Paddy Power. Producer Ben is doing the honours. Thank you, Jimbo. I've got Lee Price from Paddy Power on the line. Lee, it's the final weekend of the Premier League season. Uh, there's not a great deal going on, but let's make the most of it if we can. Stoke v Swansea is the game. Are Swansea going to win 9-0? <laughs> uh, I can answer this in one word, Ben. No. But, you know, we're going to try and make it interesting. If you want to bet on Swansea to win 9-0, you can basically name your price, really. You're probably looking at around 500-1, to 1, but that's probably quite short. This game, for me, has even less interest than Sadio Berahino in training. Uh, I think it's pointless. I think they're both down, and I think it'll probably be 0-0. All right, well, let's talk about uh, the other game where there's quite a lot riding on. Are Liverpool going to blow it and miss out on the top four? This is slightly more realistic, but still a long shot. So Liverpool just to lose this weekend is 14-1, to uh, and obviously Chelsea would need to also win there. So together, if you actually want to bet on this double, and let's face it, it's the only double that can make this weekend interesting, uh, it's 22 to 1. Uh, but Chelsea looked very disinterested in the week. I can't see it happening. A couple of other games then. Uh, it's Arsene Wenger's last game. He's playing Huddersfield. Huddersfield stayed up last night. Um, are they going to ruin his last game? It is away, of course, at the John Smiths. <laughs> if any team's going to ruin Wenger's last game, it'll be Arsenal. Uh, it's crazy that it's still about the point this season. Uh, although you could say they've been pretty pointless for years. Uh, I don't think it's going to end, actually, their, their barren run on the road this calendar year. Huddersfield are in good nick. They're 4-1 to win, which isn't a bad way for David Wagner to sign off. He's been linked with Leicester, Everton and Watford and is a favourite for each. And what about Man City, Lee, the champions? Can they make it to 100 points and make this a season really worth remembering? I think they will. I think it would be the perfect end to a pretty perfect season for them. They've got the goal-scoring record. Why not get 100 points as well? We're 2-5 to five that they win on the weekend, which will give them 100 points. Uh, and deservedly so. You can find out these odds and more where? At paddypower.com. It's 18 plus only. Begambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. And that's where we come to the end of this Totally Football show. It will return on Monday with a full and frank discussion on all the playoff news. Obviously, I love that. What? Full and frank. Oh, full and frank. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that's an, an omen. Mm. Uh, we'll also be discussing what happens in the Premier League and those hugely important games and all that sort of thing. We'll look forward, Tom, as well to the Europa League final, which Marseille are going to win by beating Atletico Madrid. Uh, but that's that's it for now. It's time to press the big red stop button, but not until I've said thank you, Tom Williams. Thank you. Merci beaucoup, Julien Laurent. Merci, Jimbo. And thanks, James Horncastle. <laughs> thank you. And you, listener. Yes, you, for being with us right through this edition. We'll catch you Monday. Have a great weekend. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Listeners, before you leave us, a quick public service announcement. Our friends at Gimlet Media have released a new podcast called We Came to Win. It's a documentary series about the hidden stories behind the World Cup's most iconic moments, and the first episode tells the tale of England's epic run at Italia 90. It features a couple of voices you'll know very well, like Ian McIntosh and Matt Scott, and amazing football writers like Pete Davis. Here they are describing the bad old days of the pre-Premier League football stadia. And if people needed to urinate, they'd go up to the back of the terraces, urinate against the back wall. So by about midway through the first half, you'd literally be standing in torrents of piss. <laughs> it was uh, vile. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> so never wear, never wear your best shoes to football back in the 80s, because... It wouldn't be good. You can find We Came to Win wherever you get your podcasts.